0: Welcome to Detour to Neverland, your guide to living your best Disney life through
1: your hobby or business. Here's your hosts, Brendan and Catherine. Welcome back to Detour to Neverland. Today is episode 60, really exciting episode that we have for you guys. I guess number 60, that makes it our diamond anniversary, right?
0: Yeah, I'd say so.
1: So that's exciting. Another milestone. Now that we're up in these bigger numbers... 75 will be here soon, and then 100.
0: I don't know what we're going to do for 100. That'll be a big deal.
1: Yeah, we've got to find something cool. But before we jump into our interview today, which is a really fun interview, our past guest spotlight actually ties into our interview today, and it is the Imagineer podcast. So you guys might remember our interview with Matthew Kroll back in episode number 21. So quite a while ago, um, Matthew is an amazing member of the Disney community and also puts on an amazing podcast and his most recent episode number 38 covers the best cues of walt disney world and his guest on that show was actually alessa our guest here today so alessa is hitting up all of our favorite people we love that it was a really wonderful episode they really dissected all of the cues in walt disney world very well so we definitely recommend jumping over to the imagineer podcast and and checking out that episode but Catherine, you ready to introduce our guest
0: yeah, so today we are talking to Alessa, like Brendan said, and you can connect with her on Instagram at underscore that girl, or on YouTube at that Disney girl. So Alessa does a lot with Instagram and social media, and she just recently launched a YouTube channel. So Alessa, we would love to hear more about you and, you know, just introduce yourself for our guests who may not be as familiar with you.
2: Yeah, of course. Um, so yeah, my name's Alessa. Um, I'm from Toronto. And uh, I like all of you listening, probably um, I've, I'm in love with Disney. I love everything about it. And um, as I was starting to grow up, my like obsession for it just became um, a lot larger. It was kind of becoming a sm- snowball effect. And uh, I decided that I wanted to to do more to have it in my life, like find a way to incorporate it where I feel like I'm learning through something and also like kind of giving back to the Disney community and joining a larger Disney community. So um, I I watched so many um, YouTube videos on like Disney and different Disney YouTubers and then like a bunch of Disney podcasters. And uh, I decided that I wanted to do something along the lines of that. Um, But I wanted to kind of just be a bit more prepared with what I was going to do because the YouTube was kind of um, my, my bigger goal. So I started off with uh, my Instagram, underscore that dis girl. And just, just to start to like, kind of understand like the Disney community and navigate through, through it and like meet different people and kind of grow from a platform that could become, um, almost like a marketing tool. So I could promote my, uh, YouTube channel via Instagram and so so on and so forth. So uh, yeah, I started with the Instagram and I started meeting a lot of people. I mean, it's all pretty small still, especially my YouTube channel. That one's um, really small. I'm hoping that eventually it grows. But for now, I'm just I'm really enjoying um, posting different videos and just kind of, you know, living through Disney, even when I'm not at the parks and just finding finding my way into the community that way.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned, you know, obviously, like most of us, our Disney story has kind of snowballed into this obsession that we have now. So where did your Disney story really start? Um, when
2: I feel like most people, when we were children, uh, we went to the, the parks and stuff, or maybe maybe you didn't, but for me, at least I, I did. Uh, and I went every year with my family since I was just about two years old. And I think when I was a kid, I enjoyed it, but I'm gonna say it wasn't until I was starting to hit my like late teens into 20s that I started to really um, delve into like the history of Disney and understand um, just like how Imagineers create rides and just really get interested in like all the intricacy that Disney has. Uh, and then definitely once I, I the, the 20s are probably the height. so far, I'm still in the 20s, so it's the height of my Disney. Um, love so I, I always say it's kind of funny that I, I love it more now than I did when I was a kid uh, because yeah I feel like for adults usually you think that the children would like it more but I think um, we get to appreciate how amazing and how detailed everything is in the parks and just like with the corporation itself as we get older those are things we start to realize so um, yeah just like from family vacations to like friend vacations to just trying to get there as much as I can um every year.
1: Yeah, I love that. I love that you use the word appreciate because I think that's kind of where we are in our, you know, Disney fandom is that we like you said we appreciate the little details, we appreciate all the effort and the storylines that are put into to create the things that we enjoy so much. The so the next thing and you kind of already mentioned it and I love that you said that that Honestly, you had a better approach to starting your kind of platform of, of social media than I think we did because you used Instagram as that tool to get your feet wet, get into the Disney community, and then going to use that to for YouTube. So I think for a lot of people, if you talk about social media strategy, and especially in the Disney community, people are using Instagram that way. Whether it's to bring exposure to their Etsy shop or for a YouTube channel like you or for a podcast like us. Instagram's kind of that place to meet people and try to get them to click through or get them to explore more things about you. So, how did you come to that strategy and, you know, what kind of things are you going to be looking to do to try to grow both of the platforms simultaneously?
2: Um yeah, so I guess I thought in my mind it was, it was easy the easier thing to to create first was the Instagram page just because um it's not as like you don't need to do as much pr- you, you do need to do a lot of prep work. It's actually something that I've realized more um, since starting it, but you don't need to do as much prep work as like creating a YouTube video. And I'm sure the same thing with you guys for like podcasts and sort of stuff. It's, it's easier to just get the picture and like communicate it on your phone. You don't need to like do any, not too much filming. And it's, it just seemed like the easier way to kind of break into it. So that's kind of why I started. Cause I felt like I was like, get your feet wet, then go swimming. Um, But uh, yeah, so when I started to do that, I noticed that like Instagram would probably be a quicker platform to grow than YouTube, um, just because it's, I think it's tougher to get subscribers on YouTube than it is to get a follower on Instagram. Uh, So that's why I thought like, I'll start off with this. And I knew that when I was starting up the um, Instagram that I was giving myself about like a month and a half to prep to get my first video underway. And the first video that I did is just an introduction, but it had a lot of like older videos and stuff that I needed to get converted. So I needed the time to do that. So it it gave me that time, but it also like allowed me to, to start like using um, Instagram and seeing how you can use that as like a marketing tool and like a business tool in a way to like um, meet other people and who are interested in the same sort of thing as you. And it's just, it's not the way I've ever used Instagram before, like trying to, get heavy outreach usually my own personal instagram was mostly private for the most part and not a whole amount of followers uh so it was it was interesting to see how like how much more like exposure you can get on instagram if you're looking for it and trying for it and putting in the time to meet new people and to to look at other people's photos and to like comment but not just comment to comment but like comment with interest and um i think doing those sort of things kind of could separate different accounts like if you're actually interested in it and showing like your passion just through your comments and um taking the time to meet new people I think that you could definitely get um a bigger following and in the end I think it will like do better for anyone who's like thinking of trying this sort of thing out just because you get people um to become genuinely interested in you and stuff and uh to grow the the YouTube I've been like doing my best talking to like a few different people like what's the best way to market different YouTube videos and I'll still continue to market it through my Instagram eventually I might think about like expanding um, my social media outreach into like a Facebook page or Twitter but for now I'm going to leave it as is but uh yeah I'm definitely starting to learn a lot more um as in regards to YouTube with like keywords and the way that YouTube tracks these things and how to look at the algorithm so I think it's a lot more on like Um, just the research on that and realizing like when you structure a video how you hit different words even just in your video how that's going to impact the way that like a YouTube algorithm's going to look at it and these are all things that I have no idea about so I feel like it's just like learning it um seeing what other people are posting but then also just keeping true to like the sort of thing that I would like to learn about when I'm looking at Disney videos just trying to keep engaging content going.
0: I love that you kind of talked about everything that goes into it, because I'm sure, you know, like you said, a lot of people don't recognize just how much work and how much background information you really have to kind of learn before really, you know, starting a YouTube channel or this new, you know, um, social media, you know, outlet, because a lot of people probably just think it's just like going on there and getting it started. And it's really not. It's a lot of hard work.
2: Yeah, I'm sure like you guys know the same thing as well. It's just there's so much more time that um, you have to put into it. Even I think on my first week of starting uh, my um, Instagram page, my phone told me that like I had a 75% increased cre- screen rate time just on like how much I was trying to like contact other people and just make those genuine connections. So especially starting out and we do have like a more of a niche community, I would say it's not um, as broad as like other Sorts of communities that you could find online, like maybe like a travel blog or a food blog. Those things are probably gonna have a bigger outreach than like Disney. Um, d- it, we still have a really big community, but it's just it's a it's it's not as broad. And so you you really gotta like make sure that you're you're kind of doing your due gil- diligence <laughs> with everything, and knowing like you're researching everything, and you're you're just keeping up to date. Because I feel like if you're like a ghost on all of your platforms, then doesn't really work
0: out so yeah it's definitely a commitment mm-hmm. and something else that I've kind of been you know thinking about ever since you said it you said that when you started your Instagram you gave yourself a month and a half to start your YouTube how did you pick that timeline and then how did you stick to it um
2: well I I think it was in like I uh,
0: in, in the middle of
2: October, my like decision to start this whole thing was pretty much just like when I think I just woke up one day and was like, I'm going to do this. Like, I, I feel like I, I needed a creative outlet in my life and I wanted it to be involved with Disney since that's what I spent so much of my free time like researching and listening to. So um, yeah, when I decided to do it, I just kind of woke up and decided to do it. And then when I started the Instagram page. My reasoning for doing like a month and a half was just I thought that December would be a good time to release it. I just told myself like do it by December. You'll give yourself some time, but I also wanted to make sure that um, like I I have a, like like a lighting little bit of a lighting system and, um, and like I bought tapestry for. Um, like I call it my studio. (laughs) It's really in my basement, but um, I kind of just like, I got that going. And then just to make sure that I had, um, I have a few mics, like different mics and to make sure that the audio sounded good. I just really wanted to come off as like hitting the ground running in a sort of like professional sense, even though I didn't, I still don't really know um, too much of what I'm doing, but just kind of trying to make it so that um, you're listening to like good content and also like the things that you're seeing kind of matches matches the content that I'm trying to put out there so um I feel like my way of I just told like it's it was just something that I think I had to tell myself you have to do it and I could have easily just given up on it because I mean it's not like anybody's um really anticipating it as much as I was so I think it's just if you want to do it if it's something that you think is going to make you happy you just need to kind of put yourself on a timeline and give yourself a goal. And if you're serious about it, you meet that goal. If you're not serious about it, then maybe just keep on enjoying um, everybody else's platforms. But it could become, I think, more stressful if you're not as serious about it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I love that. I think holding yourself accountable is so important in creative areas like this, where it's so easily that Other people don't know what your next move is, but you have to have a plan in place and follow through on it in order to kind of stick with it. So I love that.
0: It's kind of something that we do too sometimes is just speaking things into existence, you know, saying to yourself, I have a month and a half, this is what I have to do and I'm going to do it. You know, like you said, holding yourself accountable is always a great thing. Mm -hmm. Especially for like a newer,
2: um, like a a newer channel or like a newer person to like a this, this sort of community, it's like, like I said a bit earlier, it's no one's, no one else is going to hold you accountable for it. Like you might have a small following, but it's not going to be a gigantic following right from the start. So it's kind of something that you need to do for yourself, which could be difficult if you're kind of just looking at the numbers game of it all and just waiting for it to grow. And if it's not growing as quickly as you'd like it to grow, um, I think it's just remembering that just to keep on going, just to, to do it, because you enjoy it. And hopefully the numbers will grow because of that. But if they don't, at least it's like, you're doing something that's fun and that you enjoy.
1: Yeah, absolutely. A little side note of something that I've been thinking for a while now, like one of my ultimate goals, because right now, like we post every Monday and Thursday, if we didn't do that, we might get a message or two from people saying, Hey, notice there wasn't a new episode today, especially if like it was a guest, they'd be like, why (laughs) didn't my episode drop? But like my goal like, if you look at, like, Tim Tracker and Jen Tracker yep. on Twitter, they'll be like, I'm so sorry, like, we couldn't get an episode up today. And people will be like, oh, no, like, <laughs> I really wanted to incorporate that into my day. Like, that is the goal for people. <laughs> that people <yeah>. notice. <laughs> that people are holding you accountable at that point.
2: Yeah, that would, that would be amazing. And especially, like. I think, like, the idea of having that goal for yourself, but um, more and more so, like, not because you want other people to just, like, like you at a popularity basis, but then, like, people actually just like the kind of content that you're producing, and, like, that's just a really good feeling to know that, like, other people, especially in, like, the Disney community, are, like, learning off of something that you're saying. So, yeah, I, I also hope to... To kind of be on that level at some point
1: yeah absolutely so we've danced around it a little bit but i want to hear in your own words kind of what is your youtube channel about what kind of content do you want to share kind of what is the ultimate goal of the viewer of, of what kind of message that you want to send
2: yeah sure so i i guess when i started like kind of getting into it the main thing that i i watch like tim tracker and a lot lots of other ones but when i was younger um I kind of looked into uh, like the Diz Unplugged. That was kind of one of the first sort of like YouTube videos. um, I guess also podcasts that um, I was looking into. And something that I liked about them was the day-to-day stuff that they could talk about, like what's going on in the parks um, as, as they go along. So that's something that I haven't incorporated just yet, but it's something that I do want to incorporate more. But then the other half of the channel, I'd like it to be Um, I guess, more history based and kind of just like little Easter eggs that I've discovered or I've like learned about in like different Disney rides or like different attractions or just around the parks, like um, just learning about these like little different things uh, that that different thing, like different attractions have to offer. And then being able to talk about them and kind of looking at backstories of things, because I just always find that sort of thing interesting and just seeing all the imagineering that goes into um, different attractions and uh, yeah, just every everything that Disney has from their parks um, to the corporation, just how they put that stuff all together. So right now, um, although I, I recently went to Disney, so I have a few vlog reviewish type things that I'm gonna put up there just because those are for fun. But uh, it's definitely seeming like the the history route and like that sort of things, like just things that you may have not known about Disney, kind of not not moving off the beaten path, I guess, uh, is, is kind of where I want to go with it. And it definitely takes a lot more research with all of that. But um, it's, it's kind of like I look for different things on YouTube. And there's some things that I realize aren't there yet. Like I, um, one of my videos is about like, a, a like a haunting site on the Tower of Terror. And there are people that talk about it, but not as much as other things. And I was like, for that was something that I was curious about was is the Tower of Terror haunted. So um, and since it wasn't something that people have talked about too much just yet I thought okay I'll, I'll research that and I'll make a video on it but just different things like that is kind of what my goal would be um, to just kind of expand my knowledge and other people's knowledge on like the Disney community
0: so not to obviously we want people to go watch your YouTube video and check you out at that Disney girl but since now I'm curious <laughs> is it haunted yes or no <laughs> um, <laughs> Like, I guess, short story, I
2: don't think it's actually haunted, but um, it, it, there are some interesting things. There's one main story about, like, uh, a cast member who would have passed away while loading people onto um, one of the platforms and, uh, sorry, one of the, uh, on platform D for the elevators there. And uh, when you go into it more, there was a maintenance um, camera that recorded, like, a maintenance check that that video was taken down off of all of YouTube. So it was really hard to find it. I just found photos of it. But then I ended up finding this video on a different site. I'm forgetting the name. Oh, Daily Motion, that's where I found it. Um, and, like, you could see that there's, like, kind of, like, apparitions popping up. And this was kind of, like, right after that story was leaked. And um, it just, it was kind of, like, a creepy little feeling. It, in the end, I think what happened was that um the the tapes from like earlier in the day of like the recordings might have had like an infusion so that you saw what you like those little apparitions was actually just someone who rode the ride earlier in the day. And it may have somehow caught the like caught onto the tape later in the evening. But, um, I've, I spoke to a few like cast members and it's definitely like a tale, like on platform D things go wrong sometimes. And like, sometimes like there might be a maintenance issue or like, some weird things with the lighting. So I think it's it's even if it's not true, I think it's like a fun thing to to look into, or just think that might exist.
1: <laughs> I'm all in on like Disney ghost stories. This is our second straight episode of having some sort of Disney ghost thing, and that's
2: awesome. <laughs> yeah, I, I lo- I'm like really into the. I'm trying to like see like are there others? Um, it's not there's not too too many, but um, yeah, I'm I'm really interested in all of like the Disney. Those things right now. So I think I might look into some more for future, um, future videos, but for now that was something fun that I researched.
1: Yeah. Well, I love that approach because it really seems, you know, obviously you're catering to kind of two, I see them as two similar, but a little bit different audiences. A, like the really obsessed Disney people like us, we're going to be interested in a video like that, like diving deep into a Tower of Terror. But the more casual person who's maybe taking a once in a lifetime Disney trip is going to be interested in those, you know, top five rides or top 10 rides type videos. So I think that's great that that you're hitting both ends of that spectrum.
2: Yeah, because I think like even as myself, I like to hear people's opinions on like what are your favorite rides at Disney and like, why are they your favorite rides at Disney? Even though I would categorize myself with you guys, like like people who are um, really, really hardcore Disney fans. But uh, yeah, I think even being able to do that and even um, in some of my like top five rides or sort of things, I try to sneak in like history of every ride. So usually you'll probably, if you watch the videos, like you, you could come away with not only knowing like why I like the ride and stuff, but just like, oh, did you know that like this ride was actually supposed to be this way, but it ended up being this way sort of thing. So um, you kind of, I, I like to be able to still infuse some sort of like learning, even though it's going to be um, not, not generic, but yeah, more of a, a basic Disney video.
0: So is history something that you've always been interested in, or is that something that you've just more recently been curious about? Um,
2: I think like history in general has never been too much of a a strong interest for me, but I think it's just specifically like the history of Disney, um, that, that definitely, um, is something that caught my eye originally. I think when I really started to delve into it, it was like, I was looking at just different, like, um, like abandoned theme parks and like looking at how that sort of worked out. But then I started, to learn about like Walt Disney and like the Imagineering and I read an autobiography on him. Uh, and then I started becoming really obsessed with how he created the carousel of progress. And um, from that point on, I just kind of like anytime I could learn something more about how a ride maybe was supposed to be, or a little like noticing a little, how a little prop is used that you might not normally notice. Like that's that sort of thing really gets me excited. Cause I feel like it's a way to look at Disney in a new light or when you're going to the parks, even if you've been on the same ride a million times, it kind of can make something fresh again. Or, um, if, even if it's just like now, you know, the backstory of it, you can appreciate it in a different way and like kind of see how all the moving parts are coming together.
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So another question that I was interested about, so you're based in Toronto. So, And we sort of have the same issue being in Nashville, being a little bit separated from any of the parks. What challenges have you noticed, if any, you know, being a little bit further away from the parks than a lot of these other content creators?
2: Um, I definitely, there definitely is a challenge um, just in general with the idea of like having content from the parks. Like some people might uh, be talking about something and they'll have like, um, video footage of what they're talking about and stuff. And I could do that as well. It just, it's, it takes a lot more planning when I'm going to Disney, like knowing you need to get so much, um, video footage so that it's all kind of like backlogged for whenever I need it in the future. So that sort of thing is, um, definitely tougher. And also just the fact that, um, if, if there's like a new ride that kind of comes out, or even if there's like some sort of like a new meal or a new restaurant, I, I would like to be able to go and like discuss it and talk about that sort of thing. But if I'm not there, I can't talk about it. So I can only rely on what I've heard. Um, so that sort of thing can be uh, difficult. Being from Canada, I'm trying to think if it's as big of an issue as like for people. I think like even if like, like you guys said, like from just being from a different part of the States, it might be it's just tough to get there because you would most likely need to fly in unless you wanted to do the drive. So, for me, I guess it's like just being far away, it is difficult because I, I can't get there as often as I would like to. Um, and it is more pricey to fly from Canada to Florida than it is from the states to Florida. A lot of the times I might even drive into Buffalo to to take a flight out of Buffalo just because of the price differences that that are there. So it's it's definitely a more expensive obsession, and it's it's tough to see when you could see other people, especially. I'm going to say more so for Instagram than like YouTube. Uh, if you live in Orlando, the content that you can get of just photos for your Instagram, you could get that like every week you can get that sort of thing. But if you're not there, um, you can't really get that. And there's only like so many outfit changes you can bring in your bag when you're going to a park or something to try to like expand or like an extend, uh, the content that you're getting over a certain amount of time. But, um, yeah, I guess it's just something that I've had to accept. And if one day, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I would ever move uh, to Orlando. But um, I, hopefully one day I could have like a, a spot there that I could go vacation more often, so that it's not as big of a deal.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So since you've started, you know, creating Disney content, has it changed the way that you go to the parks and kind of spend your time there? Um, yeah, something the that I actually realized, um the first
2: the a few weeks ago I went to the parks like vlogging for the first time uh, and just like talking into the camera and just trying to get all of that content and I realized how much it changes the kind of vacation and like park experience that you're having uh, it's I, I just didn't think it would impact me as much but having a camera on and looking through the lens of your camera could sometimes not it, I think for sometimes like even like during um like the happily ever after show, I was trying to like just make sure that I was holding the camera in the right spot, but still not looking at the lens just because you don't get to see it the same way. So um, it's definitely like, I feel like you are making a little bit of a sacrifice when you're doing that sort of thing, but then you get to look back on it and that's a whole different kind of fun. But um it is it is more difficult in that sort of sense.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I... I, I'm in complete agreement because I wish there was a way to like healthily. And I guess that's what I'm trying to do now. Like spread that word of how challenging it can be for someone who's not a local to have Disney content year round, because, you know, we're in a situation where we went at Christmas. And so I'm really diving into Disney photography more. And Mm -hmm. now it's like all my photos have some sort of Christmas decoration in there. So it's like, all right, we're going to catalog those for next holiday season. But until then, like, how are we going to find content to push out there? Like, how are we going to find pictures that match the message that we want to send? So, you know, I think there's a lot of people who do understand that challenge, uh, but, but it definitely is an obstacle that you have to overcome in this community.
2: Yeah, it's, it's for sure. Like I, I went after Christmas, but the decorations were still up and it was funny. Cause I was like, Oh, I, I love looking at the decorations, but just because of like the fact that I was going there to get content, um, I was like, Oh, I wish that it wasn't here just because of that fact. Like you're going to see, um, you're just, you're going to see these Christmas decorations and it's not Christmas anymore. So if I post it, it's something like, like you said, it has to be backlogged for, Later on, or I have to try to find a spot that kind of isn't screaming like it's Christmas so that it matches, um, like what I'd like to put out there. But yeah, it's definitely pretty difficult if you're not, if you're not like in the parks and it, it makes it challenging when you're there because that becomes the main focus for you. So I feel like sometimes I'd even have to think, like, okay, put the camera away for the hour, like, whatever, it's fine. If you don't catch anything, that's fine. But in try to like take little breaks from it just so that it's still stays as something fun not as something that like kind of takes over your Disney vacation Mm -hmm.
0: yeah there's definitely there needs to be a balance and we ran into that too like Brennan said as he's trying to take pictures you know trying to you know have like a list of maybe the shots that we want to get but then also make sure you know we still do the new things that we want to try and just different things like that
1: Mm -hmm.
0: I feel like having a list is actually a really good idea that was something that like for at least
2: video purposes, I was telling myself, like, these are the kind of videos that I want to come out of this trip. So knowing what shots to get so that you're not kind of just like doing it constantly, but like having a plan. And I feel like that's, that goes for any sort of like content creating that anyone's going to be doing, but having a plan definitely when you're at Disney with like, what content you want to get out of it. I think for me saved a lot of time and like camera energy so I'm sure that that did the same thing for you guys too. You weren't just like clicking away at everything, but more so like what you know, knew you needed to get.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. It it definitely relieved some of the stress that I think we could potentially do because our mo- our two most recent trips, one was to Disneyland and we I planned going into it to take like all these photos. And then we got there and I got so overwhelmed with it being my first time in Disneyland in like 15 years and Catherine's first time ever – that I ended up just leaving the camera in the room after the first day because it was too overwhelming to try to take it all in and get photos. But I think if we had a better plan going into it, we probably would have come away a a little less stressed.
2: Yeah, that, that makes total sense, though, especially if it was like, you're going somewhere for like the first time or for the first time in a lot of years. It's I, I would also feel the same way. I think I felt, I feel it even when I've been somewhere for a bunch of years, like I've been to, I go to the parks all the time and I still feel it. So I would imagine for that, it would be pretty excessive, <laughs> like of a, of a bit like for stress at least.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, Alessa, I think we covered a lot of great topics so far. So I thank you so much for sharing that. I really love the story of kind of how all these platforms came to be. I think that's a great strategy that a lot of people can learn from. The next thing that we'll jump into is our fast pass round. So we'll just kind of share uh, – we'll throw out some Disney topics. And if you just kind of share the first thing that comes to your mind, our listeners can get to know your Disney fandom a little bit better.
2: Yeah, let's do it.
1: So the first one is name the Disney parks that you have visited.
2: Um, I've visited all of the parks in um... – Orlando, so Animal Kingdom, Epcot, uh, Magic Kingdom, Hollywood Studios, and the two water parks there, uh, Blizzard Beach and Typhoon Lagoon. And then I've also visited uh, Disneyland and Disney's California Adventures, but the list stops there.
0: So out of those parks, which one is your favorite and why? Why?
2: Um, I think mine kind of continuously changes. I haven't been back to Disneyland in a long enough time to kind of comment on those or include them in the mix. So I'm, I am usually don't when I think about the answer to that question. But at the moment, it is Animal Kingdom because I think it's it's just kind of like the parks really come into itself. It has awesome attractions. There's really not too many attractions there that... Um, I would want to miss up when I'm there and, uh, there's great, like some of the best I think shows that you can get are at animal kingdom now with like Pandora being added in, there's just so much to look at. And I think it's like as a park itself, I think it's the most immersive park that Disney has to offer at the moment. Mm -hmm. So I love it there.
1: Yeah. I love that answer. And I I feel like the food at Animal Kingdom has drastically improved in the last five or so years.
2: Oh, but- so much, especially like that's kind of my issue with some Disney parks is just like you. I feel like I almost need to like leave property sometimes to just get um, like a meal that I, I really enjoy or just not something that I'm eating to to get over the hunger, but something that I'm actually like. I really love the meal Um, and I like that now there's like Animal Kingdoms getting some quick service restaurants and just other sit-down restaurants that are really good that you can really enjoy. So that's awesome, especially since I don't think it always had that sort of thing going on, but I'm glad that they've made it more of a priority.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. You don't have to name any names, but we'll say looking at you, Hollywood Studios, every time we're like, how do we find a decent meal here?
0: It's like almost impossible sometimes. I.
1: I don't know if other people love it, but I have like made a promise to myself that I will never go back in ABC commissary.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I I, um, I go to the boardwalk when I'm at Hollywood Studios or like I take the boat over and get a, like a sit down meal at one of the resorts there just because uh, it's close by. And that park right now, I don't think is a it could be a full day park, but. Once Star Wars um, opens up, then it'll it'll definitely take a lot more time. But I think you could definitely sacrifice like an hour or two to like get on that boat and uh, get a better meal than definitely like the ABC commissary or uh, just like the Backlot Cafe that they have there. It's, it's not my fave, but um, I'll get fries if I have to.
1: <laughs> yeah, for sure. So the next one would be your Disney bucket list trip.
2: Oh, uh, Disneyland Tokyo. I want to go so bad and, and Disney sea that's, that's definitely one that I'd like to hit for 2020, but um, I know it's an expensive trip and I know it's a difficult one to plan if you've never done it before. From what I've heard on like um, other Disney YouTubers or like podcasters talking about it, that it's a tough one, but it is one that I definitely want to do it. Everyone raves about it anytime I see any video. So definitely
0: a bucket list. We would agree (laughs) for sure. (laughs) So then the next one would be your favorite Disney resort. And it doesn't necessarily have to be one that you've stayed at. This one, I feel like it like
2: flip-flops for me, especially when I'm going into like different um, categories of like the pricing. But lately I've really been loving to like just visit uh, the Polynesian just because, uh, when like I I'll do it a lot when I'm at Magic Kingdom. If it's like the park's really busy, I'll kind of just jump on the monorail and do some like resort tours. But uh, the last time I did it, I just like literally went onto the little beach at the poly and like sat on one of the swings um, and took my shoes off and like was able to relax and just calm down for a second. And then I got like some drinks and it was just it was a nice little break. And I, I like the theming there. Uh, it just it has a really like relaxed vibe for a vacation that's usually go go go.
1: Mhm. Absolutely. We completely agree with that one. We're all on the same page so far. <laughs> <That's
0: awesome. laughs>
1: so, um, the next one would be if you could only fast pass one ride for the rest of your life, which would it be?
2: Uh, I like do not know the answer <laughs> to this one cuz my my favorite ride is Carousel of Progress, but I would never get a fast pass for that because you don't ever need a fast pass for that. But um, I think right now I'd probably go with either like Flight of Passage or Space Mountain.
1: Mm-hmm. Just, just because, because of the weight. Big-
2: <laughs> yeah, I was like they're biggie ticket attractions. Um, Flight of Passage, like I haven't been on it too, too many times yet. Just because when you like, I, I haven't been to the parks enough times. And when I go, it's just a one time thing because Either I have a fast pass, or I'm going to do the wait. But either way, uh, that that's a tough one to wait for. But Space Mountain, I think, is just a really fun ride. It's always been like one of my favorite rides as a kid. So being able to
0: like walk onto those two would be preferable. <laughs> mm-hmm. So sticking with rides, which ride do you think is due for an exit or a refurbishment? Hmm. I was I always
2: think about this question, and I. I'm, I don't know exactly what the answer would be. I There's one thing that I've been um, thinking about more. I guess it's not so much I have two different answers. Um, for I, I don't think that this needs an exit, but um, I would like to see um, like rock and roller coaster go through a little bit of a change just because I think it's such an awesome ride, especially like the queue before you enter um, the building itself. I think that could be more like themed and they could take that to another level, especially having like tower of terror with its amazing theming right next door. Um, I'd like to see a little bit of a change in that, but I, I, I liked, I love the theme of it and like the indoor roller coaster and like keeping it Aerosmith. That's like awesome. Uh, but I feel like they could probably more so in just like the first part of the queue, I'd like to see like the immersion go into that. um, And not that I don't love this show, it's a show, not so much an attraction, I guess. But um, I think after seeing like Disneyland's Fantasmic, uh, seeing our Fantasmic, not that it's bad. I just think that there's certain things that um, knowing how they can do like projections now and um, looking at how they're curating other Disney shows, like Disney nighttime shows specifically, it'd be cool if we got like a bit of a revamp in that show to see um, what level they could take it to.
1: I can get behind both of those. Yeah. <laughs> so next one, probably our favorite question of the Fast Pass round, your favorite snack or a go-to snack?
2: Um, I have two. One of them is um, just the the Mickey ice cream sandwich. I, I always get those. I really prefer them to the Mickey premium bars. I don't know if that's like a popular choice or not a popular choice.
0: It's popular
1: with but, me, um, at least.
2: Yeah. <laughs> um, but... Yeah, I, I I always get that. And this is, I think, like a bit of a weird one, but I love candy. So um, every time I go, there's like, you can get the, like, I love Sour Belts. <laughs> and um, in like a bunch of the Disney uh, stores, you can get uh, like the Sour Belts. I think it's either um, like Elastic Girl themed if you want just a red one or Joy themed if you want like a rainbow Sour Belt. But every time I go to Disney, I get one of those and I bring them home and I eat one in my hotel
0: room too. So I get lots of uh, like sugar rush headaches from that, but Absolutely. I love them. So this is something that's, I don't know if it's in Canada, but are they releasing like the Mickey premium bars in Canada? I've been looking into it. I don't know if we're going to get them. And like, I'm, I'm hoping we
2: do, but from what I've been reading, it doesn't look as promising um, because all of the advertisements I've seen have been like a lot more American-based. I haven't seen any Canadian-based ones, which makes me sad. And even like when I was younger in high school, I did a whole report on why I thought that they should start selling Mickey premium bars in grocery stores and like just like doing all the math of like, this is how many people go to the parks and this is how much they spend on food and like this is how many people want to feel that nostalgia when they're at home and this is why you should do it. I just think it's funny. Not that Disney ever knew I did that report, but like I just thought it was funny when they, when they announced that. I was like, I thought of this years ago, <laughs> but um, I think it's a great idea, and I hope it comes because I'd love to. I'd love to eat them, even even though it's not my like number one choice. I Still like them, but uh, I I don't know if it's gonna come to Canada. If it does, I'll let you know, but I'm <laughs> not holding my breath at the moment.
1: Maybe that's another road trip to Buffalo that you've got to take.
2: Yeah, <laughs> just a two-hour trip for an ice cream bar. <laughs>
0: well, if it makes you feel better, we have not had any success finding any in Tennessee yet. And yeah, I yeah I
2: was, so I guess have they are – like I'm trying – I haven't really seen – like I've seen the advertisements, but I haven't seen anyone take photos like with with it like after purchasing it. So I was even curious, like did they drop yet? Um,
1: I think they keep saying like February is when they're going to drop. But I've seen a few people have them. And I think they've been like mainly in the Orlando area or then the Anaheim area. So maybe they're like spreading out from there.
2: Uh, Well, I hope you guys get them so at least someone (laughs) can (laughs) enjoy.
1: Our hope is that we have Publix in Tennessee. Since that's a Florida-based company, we're hoping Mm -hmm. that's like our – our ticket to it.
2: I feel like that's where I would assume um, it coming yeah. if it
0: was like in the States. Well, we're going today, so we'll check it out. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you find them. Um, so our next question kind of sticks with, you know, food, but what is your favorite table service restaurant and quick service restaurant?
2: Um, I think table service this one's just always been a go-to, uh, for me in, um, in Epcot and the world showcases via Napoli. Um, I, I'm, I'm Italian. So like that part, really, I love Italian food and I think the quality of the food there is just so good. Um, and I also just love the cast members there. They're always so, um, like kind and happy and smiling and they want to like talk to you about, uh, like their culture. Cause they're mostly all from Italy and like, um, and I love asking questions about that sort of thing, uh, I feel like I just probably have a feel like a connection to them just because um, it's like the same sort of background, but the food there is just so good, especially the pizza, like, oh, like give me some fresh basil from there and I'm hooked. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that's definitely my favorite uh, table service restaurant. But um for quick service, I right now, I think Satuli canteen is at the top of my list just because it's like a good portion. It doesn't feel like you're eating like a burger and fries. So, you know, I feel like you feel a little bit healthier and like not as um full when you're doing that sort of thing. And it's just different flavors. And I love anything that's like a bowl, like any sort of like burrito-ish. It's not a burrito, but that sort of kind of theme is, is a food that I really gravitate towards.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I feel like they could write a book on efficiency talking about Satouli Canteen. Yeah. They get you (laughs) in and out so quickly.
2: Yeah. I was like, I think I was started my line at the doors and within maybe like six or minutes, seven minutes I was already ordering. So I was like, okay. And then within like two minutes, my meal was already ready. And um, I asked for like extra sauce. They did it. I didn't have to ask twice for it. It just seemed like there was no mistakes made at all. And they like accommodate any requests that I, Asked for. So, yeah, definitely 10 out of 10 for there at the moment. <laughs> yeah.
1: And I love that they enforce the no sitting down before you have your food policy.
2: Oh, I didn't. I guess like I haven't ever tried to do that, but I,
0: that's awesome that they did that. I didn't know that they did oh, they that. They are strict. They are very strict. <laughs> and it uh, is great because obviously seating is limited. Yeah. So, we're a fan.
2: Yeah, that's that's so good because usually, like, if you're walking around with your tray and there's people sitting there that aren't eating, I'm always like, "Are you gonna get up? <laughs> like, can, can we take your seat?" But yeah, no, that's that's something that um, I heard that um, at Andy's Lunchbox in Toy Story Land they're enforcing something like that as well. So. Hopefully, maybe that's kind of the direction that they're going in with these newer restaurants.
1: Yeah, I can say for sure, three weeks ago when we were there, they were not enforcing that at Indy's Lunchbox. But I have heard that oh, before, no. too. But when we were it there. Was just,
2: I haven't, like I
0: haven't the, felt it yet. The yeah. Christmas season, and I don't know, it was just too busy. And they were like, we have other things to worry about, but... We struggled at Andy's Lunchbox.
1: You better better be quick. I I
0: didn't eat there, but it looks like a difficult place to get a seat. And I heard that they were going to do
2: that, so I thought it was a good idea. But I I guess it's not come to fruition just yet.
1: Mm -hmm. For breakfast, we can say. No difficulty finding a seat then.
2: Yeah, there was nobody there
1: for breakfast.
2: Oh, no, what what kind of food do they did you get for breakfast? Sorry, I'm curious about this
0: now. <laughs>
1: um, so they have like a the pop tart type okay. thing, and then but they have their tachos, but like a tater
0: tot bowl for breakfast.
1: But, so they put oh. like eggs and gravy on them, I think, like oh, sausage cool. gravy. Yeah, it was yeah
0: pretty that
1: does,
2: good. That doesn't sound. I feel like it's probably one of the better options, especially in Hollywood studios. So that's interesting. Yes. Thanks for telling me that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Yep. Yeah. So next one would be your favorite character meet and greet moment.
2: Um, I have so many of them. I think like, as of, I, I guess I'll just go to more of my recent one. Uh, I think I was just making, it was, I went during, um, this, this is my most recent memorable one. But when I went in February of last year, it was a lot more of a dead season. So, um, Whenever characters came out, they kind of just did, like, one-on-one interactions with, with me the whole time just because there wasn't even lines. It was kind of like they were just roaming around the parks. But um, in Hollywood Studios, I saw uh, Goofy, and, like, he was just, uh, like, hanging out with me for, like, maybe 10 minutes. Um, and then I was like, oh, Goofy, are you going to ask me on a date? And he grabbed my arm and just started walking with me, like, around the entire park um, and just, like, his handler was following behind, and um, I just – it was it was fun. It was, like, definitely, a like, a moment that I feel like the cast members and, like, uh, have took it to another level of, like, just trying to really let their guests have, like, a magical moment.
1: Yeah, that's awesome.
0: We really haven't met many characters in Hollywood Studios, I don't think.
1: Uh, just the Star Wars ones in Launch Bay.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think
2: cool. – I, I usually – Don't see many of them, but I think maybe just because it wasn't too busy of a season that when some of them were just wandering around uh, or it was more in their dead season that it was easier to say hi. I didn't see as many there. For some reason, Animal Kingdom to me is like the place to go to meet characters, like especially just walking around. The last time I went, I saw 15 of them outside. Wow. Wow. That's a lot of characters. Every time I go for some reason, I think maybe I just have the luck but it's always been um one of the more busy parks for like an outdoor character sort of meet and greet. I guess they don't really have too many indoor ones like Epcot uh, or Magic Kingdom. But yeah, I've just like it's it kind of blows me away at how many that park has. It's probably yeah. why it's like kind of topping my list of parks at the moment as well. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I can't say in Hollywood Studios we will be meeting Edna Mode next time we go.
2: <laughs> oh, I just saw videos of that. I'm so jealous. It looks so cool. I want. I want to meet her. I feel like that would be a
0: really fun meet and greet. Oh yeah. So then the next question would be your favorite Disney movie. Um, this one I think is like
2: pretty. Uh, I'm not. I'm not deviating from the norm too much, but it, Beauty and the Beast was the first uh, Disney movie that I can. Um, Remember, like falling in love with, and uh, I, I kind of grew up like loving theater as well. So it was my first stage show that I ever saw, and it kind of tied two worlds together for me because, um, yeah, I loved performing and um, acting. So to be able to con- converge like Disney and that together, kind of really got me hooked. And all the music from there is like, um, I could, I could do every part of the bell song, like without a problem. <laughs>
1: So like a current topic is a couple weeks ago, I guess the footage was released of the Beauty and the Beast ride that they're putting in Tokyo. Did you see that? Yes. And I'm
2: so excited and I'm so upset that (laughs) we don't have that sort of thing here. Just like the ride vehicle itself looks so awesome, like the trackless vehicle. Um, And I know they already, I guess when we have the Ratatouille ride come in, it'll be somewhat of a trackless vehicle. But when I watch like different um videos from Disneyland, Tokyo, I know they're like, Winnie the Pooh ride is a trackless vehicle, and that looks so cool. So um, I was like, I'm sure you guys have heard the video uh, when they're talking about the beauty and the beast ride, but they're gonna kind of make it like a, like the, like it's you're dancing basically, like that's the kind of movements that the vehicle is gonna have, mm-hmm. um especially during like different musical numbers. so. I I hope that I get to see it when it comes out and I hope I can make it to Tokyo to to see it. I do wish that we had that sort of thing coming out in Orlando. So it would be a more accessible way to see it, but yeah, I'm really pumped about it. The animatronics look unbelievable.
1: I just wonder if in like some file somewhere on some imagineer's desk, they say like eventually replace the mini adventures of Winnie the Pooh in Orlando with Pooh's Honey Hut in Tokyo. And like, make Walt Disney world be like the place that has all of the best versions of the ride. That's like just my hope.
2: Yeah, I know. And I, I always like would think that that's, that would be the goal just because it is the biggest like Disney resort in like out of all of them. Uh, but I don't know. I'm hoping that one day they'll, they'll do it, but it seems like Tokyo gets a lot of like, um, of like this like really cool imagineering and like f- going through it right now. So hopefully all of the parks are going to start learning from that and transferring different rides and like different ride systems into uh, Disney world. That would be awesome.
1: <laughs> so next one would be your favorite Disney song.
2: Um, I feel like I just kind of topped that one off when I said uh bell is like the the opening song from Beauty and the Beast—that's that's probably my favorite Disney song. But um, another one that I really like, which is from uh, The Lion King, is Shadowland. I don't—I feel like it's like a less popular one, but um, really anything from The Lion King, or I'm—I'm I'm really going off of the one choice here, but um, anything from Tarzan—really, uh, really awesome Disney songs for me. Yes, that's
0: a solid choice.
1: Tarzan was yeah. the first. <laughs> album i ever bought from walmart like the first physical (laughs) cd i ever bought
0: that's funny that's awesome it's definitely a good one (laughs) so this next question can be a little tricky um, but what is your favorite disney quote either from waltz or any of the movies oh gosh i'm trying to think of that Hmm.
2: Um, I feel, hold on, I'm going to, I have one on my phone, and I think
1: uh,
2: that I just don't want to misquote it. Um, oh, yes, okay, so it's, um, Mary Poppins, uh, I, I just really like this, this quote, I feel like especially for, like, um, just thinking of, like, the sort of thing that I'm doing now, but when she says, in every job that must be done, there is an element of fun. So, uh, just kind of that, that's a really, that's a really awesome one. I love all the ones that like Walt says as well. But, uh, when I'm trying to look at other, other options that like Walt didn't, didn't say, I think like Mary Poppins has some pretty good ones for me. I also like that. A lot of them are pretty blunt and to the point. So
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah, they're fun. Love that. That's, I think that's the first time we've ever gotten a Mary Poppins quote on here. So that's, that's great.
0: It's just Mm. surprising.
1: Yeah, it is. So the last question of the fast pass round is your favorite Disney parks memory.
2: Oh, that I feel like, um, like overall, I don't have a specific one, but, um, I would tie it to, um, any, any time that I go to, uh, like, I guess right now it's happily ever after for the magic kingdom, like nighttime show. But over the years, anything that's been, um, the magic kingdom nighttime show, like wishes or, all of that sort of stuff. I don't know why I just like that, but those shows always make me pretty emotional and um, being able to show someone that for the first time, whether it be like bringing a different friends or a new family member to the park who hasn't been there in so many years and like letting them see how amazing it is when like the castle um, is like moving and all of like the fireworks and the music and how it all ties together. Uh, yeah. I feel like for myself, it's really rewarding and to see someone else realize how beautiful it is and like, it's, it's just I feel like it reminds you of like the magic of the parks when you might have been like stressed out during the day or just kind of tired from the, the Florida heat. Um, those are definitely always my favorite parts yeah. of the day.
1: Love that. So our very last question, and it's something that we ask all of our guests, and it's if you have a piece of parting guidance that you can give to someone who they're looking to become a Disney content creator, create products with an Etsy store, create a YouTube channel, create a podcast, whatever it might be, but they're looking for that first step, what would be your guidance to that person?
2: Um, probably if you think you want to do it, definitely just do it. I feel like you need to just tell yourself, I'm going to do it and not think about, um, kind of what other people are going to say about it don't hold yourself to any standard don't think that you need to compare yourself to like any other shop or like instagram youtube podcast like don't don't look at any of those things um look at those things as uh like something fun but definitely just do it the way that you'd want to do it and don't focus on the numbers of everything too much just kind of try to focus on like the people that you can meet through it and if you're having fun doing it and all of the like different skills that you're going to learn through doing it. And just if it ever became something that was making you not like Disney as much, maybe go, not stop it, but go back and think about why you started it and just go into it for fun. And I think if, if you're going into it for fun, then that's the best reason, but definitely just committing to do it and giving it a shot. Well, I mean, what do you have to lose?
0: Yeah. And I think, like you said just being like genuine and authentic and definitely not comparing yourself since there are so many you know disney content creators out there you know just finding what makes you different and really following your interests rather than trying to you know copy or do what someone else is doing i think that is always so helpful and so good to remember yeah i
2: totally agree
0: yeah
1: well perfect well i think we covered some absolutely amazing topics today i think it'll be so helpful to so many of our listeners and hopefully provide some entertainment as well so i thank you for coming on alessa and sharing some of your story um and you know sharing the process that you went through the journey uh to get to where you are today we so appreciate it is there anything else that you would want to share with our listeners before we head off
2: i think we've about covered it just you know i hope everyone who wants to try this sort of thing out definitely tries it out and you know, keep on sharing that Disney love because it's the reason we all
0: keep doing it. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, like Brendan said, we're really so happy to have you on with us today. And we definitely, if you haven't already, you need to go check out Alessa at underscore that girl on Instagram and check out her YouTube channel, that Disney girl. And, you know, leave her some feedback, get connected with her um, and let her know that you are, you know, listening. Yeah. Yeah, I love making new friends. So thank you so much for that.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you for joining us. Of course. Thank you for listening to Detour to Neverland. Subscribe to the show and leave a review to help more people find us. Follow us on Instagram at Detour to Neverland underscore podcast to see our pictures from the parks. See you real soon.